and welcome to Making It to the Mic, a podcast about how different voice actors got to where they are today. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and this week's guest is Dave Droxler. Dave is a voice actor who works primarily in animation, but not in the traditional way you might be expecting. He voices mostly creatures and animals and uses his voice in incredible ways, some of which he demonstrates during this episode. So let's listen in. Here's my conversation with Dave Droxler. Hi, Dave. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I love this. So I like to start every episode with sort of the same question, which is how did you make it to the mic? And, you know, what did you do before voiceover? Oh, good question. So, boy. Well, um, you know, obviously I'm one of those people who's always been an actor kind of thing. But uh, I got behind the mic when my commercial agent got me connected to the voiceover department. I'm with uh, Stuart Talent. I sent in like an updated uh, uh, demo reel of like on camera stuff. And he passed it along to the voiceover people. And they reached out to me and they're like, hey, we would actually love to have you come in and, and, and talk to us. And I was like, oh, I was like, great, that's fantastic. Even though it was an on-camera thing, it ended up being enough to get me in the door with them. And and uh, and yeah, and then they just like took me on. And it was actually funny because at the time when I was talking to them, I was saying, oh, I do lots of like cartoon voices and I do lots of like sound effects and animal noises and this and that. And and they're like, oh, that, that's great. That's awesome. We, we don't get too much of that out here in New York. That's mostly like West Coast based kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, oh okay, all right. And then... Uh, but, but then that ended up changing thanks to technology and <laughs> and other things that kind of mm-hmm. forced it to 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 be a, a bi-coastal thing. And so um, that got me in the door with lots of auditions and uh, meeting new people and learning on the job or learning through auditions while auditioning, seeing people who were more experienced and being like, oh, OK, so I got to do it like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Some of those like tricks that you you come up with for doing on-camera stuff don't always translate uh, vocally without seeing the face. And so that was like a big learning curve, especially like comedically. Mm. I was realizing some of the kind of like mumbling under the breath kind of commentary um, can work when you're seeing the person. But um, when you're just hearing it, it's just mumble garbage. (laughs) And so... So that was something that was like a big, oh, okay, hang on, I got to get that little tick that gets me gigs for on-camera stuff, but doesn't get me gigs for voiceover. <laughs> but um, but prior to that, I was doing, um, well, the, the funny thing I was doing when I was, my like, you know, in-between theater gigs was, uh, which ended up now translating into the stuff I'm doing now, was that uh, I have like a, a background in like clowning and and things of that nature because my, uh, my grandfather was a clown, and so I kind of, like, grew up in that world. Oh, my gosh. I love that it's a family business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I was really into that. And so um, I would do, uh, you know, I would be hired to do, like, birthday parties and things of that nature. And and the thing that, like, was my, like, uh, selling points to kind of make me stand out a little bit more than some of the other people who <laughs> might be better clowns or better magicians or better jugglers was the fact that I... I would do voices and um, I would kind of sell myself as like a Robin Williams for kids. Mm. I would do lots of improvisational and I would go off on tangents and do lots of voices. And and that kind of became, you know, the thing that made me stand out a little bit more and make people want to bring me back. And in addition to that, when I would work for companies, when I would not just work for myself, when I would work for companies and 
I, you know, it's at the point where you're doing stuff, you're in your early 20s and you're just in New York and they're like, hey, we need someone to dress up as Elmo, you know, and you're like, all right, I'm doing this. And you go to a birthday party and you're dressed up as Elmo. But um, the, the, the other thing that made me get more of those Elmo jobs was because I knew how to do an Elmo impression. So instead of just standing in the costume and waving and just, you know, dancing and stuff, I would actually talk to the kids as Elmo. And parents were just like baffled by it. They thought I had like some type of like voice box machine inside the head. Like they would ask me off to the side, be like, Dude, what are you, how are you doing that? And I would just be like, Elmo's here, yeah. <laughs> And like they would be like, oh, and so like I, I look back to all these jobs that I had, um, even doing like a, a tour of Scooby Doo, and I was Scooby Doo, and it was because I did the voice, you know, and and, and all of these things where it was like, oh, I, I was factoring in uh, ways to to stand out and get jobs by doing these cartoon voices, and, and now I, I was able to transition into like that's what's what I do like full time now, and is you know paying for health insurance and taking care of my family and all that silly stuff you did when you were a kid is now, you know, somehow works as an adult. Who knew? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So so that's that was kind of my roundabout way of saying that's how I got into this world um, full time. So do you mostly work in animation now? Yeah, at this point, the majority of the, the um, voiceover work I do is animation. Um, uh, the first one that I booked was uh, a show called Sunny Day that was on Nickelodeon for two seasons. And I got hired to be like the utility animal guy. Um, and and so what started out with like me just coming on to do like, you know, a couple of voices here and there of like a squirrel or like this horse character named Suzette that that like that kind of got me into the door it was like this little niche that opened up the door for me to get into like Nickelodeon and then they started actually giving me some like other human voices and even though they were kids I was able to do like the higher range kid voice and so all of these jobs that I've been getting now like for Nickelodeon like I'm in um, a show called Santiago of the Seas on Nickelodeon and we're currently doing season two of that and I play a character named Kiko who is a little cokey frog that lives on the uh, on the head of Santiago and it's like his little sidekick and it's just like this high pitch like oh my god I love that <laughs> yeah I'm gonna be a toy too which I'm very excited about I just found out that's the dream yeah the dream right and so, you know, I, I ended up getting all these jobs for like Apple TV with like Get Rolling with Otis and like Mecha Builders with Sesame Workshop. And there's another Sesame Workshop right now we're doing and all these things that got me in the door because I could do animal voices, but like be an animal emoting. And it was all because of this one particular job. And like when I look back at it, I see how oh, that job got me this job because the same producers were behind it or because the same directors were behind it. And they were like, oh, we need a dog for this that needs to emote and be cute. Well, we already know that he does a dog, so let's just bring him in. And mm. and then, you know, it just keeps opening the door for other jobs and then speaking parts. And it's been predominantly uh, cartoon characters, um, which... I absolutely love. It's literally a childhood dream. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I remember being, I don't know, 11 years old and, and like the first time 
you know, not the first time seeing The Simpsons, but the first time working on trying to do a voice and listening to Bart Simpson and working on emulating it and then bringing my, forcing my sister to come into the room so she could like listen and be like, hey, does this sound like him? And then doing it and her being like, oh yeah, that does. But um, so yeah, so it's kind of cool to to have that and also to share it with my own children, which is really neat. Yeah. And I love that you know, I feel like in this business, a lot of times we don't know if the job is going to be a one off. Like we hope everybody's going to be a repeat client or going to call us back for a second job or season or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we have really have no idea. And so all you can do is, you know, do your very best work and be professional. And I love that it worked out for you that they, you know, they kept calling you because you were, I'm sure, not only great at what you're doing, but obviously you were great to work with as a as a person as well. Yeah, it, it it was it's it's nice that that's the case. And it's also a great reminder in general just to be like, you know, open to things and and to have fun and remember that, hey, this is the job that you worked really hard to get to and that you wanted to do. And and that you're like, oh, I'm working. Oh, that's right. I'm working. Right. Like, I, you know, I we just did a session yesterday for Santiago and we're just cracking up laughing the entire time and saying like how do how do we explain to people that this is our job like we're both laughing and cuz we're like coming up with ridiculous things like I'm playing like they they just added a new recurring character that they want me to do. And so we were figuring out what the sound was of this like crazy rooster character. And and like then this other character that was like a, a pig that was like talking in, in oink words and us like figuring it out and us just toying around and, and cracking up laughing and saying that like this is so random that this is what we do for a living. But it's like so fun. And, and it's supposed to be fun. It is supposed to be fun. Yeah, I think it's you know, it can be a slog sometimes when all you're doing is just auditions or you you're you're in a rut and you're not booking anything yeah. and it's like uh or you have like I don't know business type stuff that you have to do or invoicing and things that are not so fun but then when you get to the meat of it again you're like oh right this is fun yeah it is yeah totally and and even like when you have those jobs where it's like you know because like, I'll still I still book um jobs where it's like commercial radio spots things of that nature and and most of them are are you know, character oriented in the sense that they're like scenes versus like, you know, just the voiceover, like, hey, I'm the guy who's selling you something, you know, and and those are super fun. I absolutely love those because you're actually just, you know, you're, you're, you're acting, if you will, you know, and you're, you're not so worried about like, oh, I have to uh, be a certain vibrato and I have to do a certain bass and I have to hit this T, but not too hard and da, da, da. But like, there are times, though, you know, where you are working with clients who are, are you know on the business side of things and 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 so it's interesting to 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 find that balance of when you're having people who are in the artistic world but that's not what they primarily do you know and so to try to translate what they're trying to translate <laughs> you know cuz yeah. they're trying to say oh we want something here but and you're like, okay, okay. And then you do it and they're like, no, it's not that. Maybe you hit the emphasis on this word. In the back of your head, you're like, that makes no sense, but we're going to do it. We're going to try it. You know, <laughs> and, and trying to remind yourself of being like, just go with it. Just go with the flow and let's just see because you never know what's going to come out of it. Because there can be times where, you know, you're just being drilled and drilled for like two hours over this like one moment. And you're like, I don't know how else to do this. And <laughs> I'm sure every person has been in that, in that, uh, that, uh, that position. What do you do in that moment, you personally? Well, I mean, for me, like, I definitely, like, if, if it goes on for too long, it can get, you know, you definitely, 
you're just natural instinct to just be like fight or flight kicks in, you know, <laughs> where you're like in a closet or in the studio and you're sweating and you're like getting in your head to the point where you're now like starting to say the line wrong because you're now so in your head that you're emphasizing and you're like, uh, so a lot of times I just have to like make a joke about it. I, I find that if I'm just like making it fun and light for everybody and like even improvising, which I found that people really enjoy, even if it's not something that they, they, you know, use per se, but just to make it light for everybody in the room, I find that that helps. So I tend to kind of take a moment to like breathe and refocus and remember why I'm here and then just do something silly to kind of like get everybody back on track. And then also, oh, the biggest thing I know that I try to do, because this was something I always, always did, was I would get so in my head and like blame myself and, you know, do that that neurotic performer thing of like, oh, I'm not good enough. I messed up. They hate me. They this, you know. Yeah. Why do we go there first? Right. Why? Exactly. And afraid that you're going to get fired or whatever. And, and 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 you know what? It's like, well, even if you do get fired, it's it's not because you, you know, were a total jerk or something like that. You just might they might have discovered you're not right for this and that's okay you know or they have to try something different there's only so much control over that but like i've gotten to the point where that little guy stays stays out now he's, he's outside the studio you know i'm remembering that like this is a business and everyone's figuring it out and those people are probably also insecure as well about like oh i'm not giving the correct direction i'm not getting it right it's i'm oh, i i sound like an idiot you know and just being like oh yeah we're all we're all in the same boat here we're all just trying to figure it out but it's it's definitely a an emotional uh up and down to try to figure out when you get stuck in those ruts but you come out of it and you're okay and you're alive there's a word um it's sonder which uh so i have taken a lot of classes over the years with the jen waldman studio and jen waldman is one of my favorite humans and she has a coach named Peter Shepard, who I've also coached with in a business sense, not in a voiceover sense. And they talk about this word that and it's the realization that everyone around you is also living a life and having problems and having issues. Yeah. And and I, it's like we get so in our own heads that we forget, like, maybe it's that lady's first day on the job and she's been asked to, like, lead the session and she's never done that. And she has no idea what she's doing. And mm -hmm. and you're right. Like, and then she's feeling just as insecure as we are. And so everybody's just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I always feel like we're, we're just a bunch of kids just wearing these, like, oversized suits and stuff and pretending to be something we're not, you know. And Oh, I feel that way when I, like, send an invoice. Like, here is your invoice. I'm like, what am I doing yeah i know right <laughs> but yeah that's uh that's a great like the whole sonder thing absolutely i feel like that's something that can just go across the board in life in general you know with everybody you encounter yeah i would love to know more about these animal sounds and creature noises because that is not my 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 gig at all and sometimes i'll get auditions and it's like a pony, but no words. And I'm like, pass. Like, I know there are people like you who are experts who that's what they do. And I would love to know, like, your approach and how you create those characters or, you know, kind of what goes on when you when you've been tasked to be a squirrel, for instance. Well, you know, I'll definitely take a lot of time 
when I'll get like the list and sometimes they'll send like multiple scripts being like, okay, so you're going to be a dog and then you're going to be a cat and then you're going to be a parrot. And we might also have you be like a sheep and this and that. And you're like, oh, okay, here we go. And some like, you know, I perfect and like, okay, yeah, the dog, boom, boom. You know, there's like two versions of a dog that I feel pretty confident of like a higher one and a lower one. The, the thing that does get tricky is is when you are trying to find like that exact emotion of, of like, okay, well, how do I how do I do that? And sometimes like you just can't and you have to remember that like, oh, this is not just going to be heard. This will be seen by animation that will make up for for it. I'll definitely spend a lot of time figuring out like like if if like I know that the dog is going to be like saying something like saying something because a lot of times they'll put like in parentheses like what the the character is saying. Do you know what I mean? Ooh, that's helpful. And so it's so helpful when they do that. And sometimes I've gotten to the point where I will literally like be like, okay, so the line is, um, uh, I don't know if I want to do that, and and be like, okay, well I'm just gonna do it like that and do like. You know, and just like do it like within the like almost like each beat, like you're almost are saying the words like I will literally just like do like each syllable as as it, you know, and try it there and then kind of work backwards and see how I can get shorter and shorter. And if I can do it in just like one, you know, and that that signifies it like, oh, that's an affirmative, mm, you know, so so it's definitely a lot of toying in the room. Um which I, I love, but they're definitely hard times. Like I do, I'm doing um, a dog and, and, um, for this show. Oh, what is it? Oh, oh Bee's Block, it's called. And uh, I play like Bee's pet dog. And when we were trying to find the voice, it was interesting because they didn't want it to sound too tiny, but they didn't want it to sound too big. And so I needed to put it in this like one little register where it's like just just sitting in that that spot where it can get raspy, you know, mm-hmm. which is is fine. But then you also find yourself being a little limited um, because then you're like, oh, it, it can also start to get a little more, I don't know, raw on your voice and way you know, if you can feel the muscles working a little bit more. So, so like, I remember like the first like couple of sessions when we were really working on finding the voice and the variations and we just kind of kept drilling it and drilling it. I was like, oh boy, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. <laughs> like, this is a lot, you know, but, but, um, but, you know, it's, it kind of becomes like a, like a workout, like a muscle workout. And then you just start to, you're like, oh, there it is. And then, and then you, once you find that register, you're like, okay, great. So how much, how much room do I have in here to work with? Like, for example, like with the Kiko, the Koki frog, the <coughs> that character. You know, it was interesting. I did it at the audition and they were like, oh, does that does that hurt your throat? I was like, no, no, it's kind of in this like weird spot and in the back here, like, you know, but if I go too high, it, I can't, nothing comes out. And if I go too low, it is just, it's no longer sounds like a high pitched thing. And the, the voice director is the one who actually explained to me. She's like, oh, yeah, so this is what's happening with your voice. This is how you're doing it. She made me realize that it's like, oh, well, you're in this like little little spot that's almost like a, like a balloon. It was that realization of like, oh, okay, so I had this little spot, this little area to work with, like to go up and down. But then it's like, well, how do I, how do I, how much emotion can I get within that little area? And so it, it's so fascinating to kind of recognize like now when I'm doing the recordings with Kiko, how much more vari- the variations that I can do now compared to when we were first starting out. And I felt like I was like always just kind of saying it like the same way or I only had so much where I could do it. And 
And and the character also always speaks with like says koki koki. That's kind of like his language. And so when you're doing like e like it's now you're tightening up even more because it's that e you know. But like now we've kind of loosened it up so that he can do more of that. Like he can do that gibberish, so it's not always koki koki, you know, and which is great because then you can do a lot more. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you know this is like a super long winded thing to answer that it's a lot of trial and error and seeing where things sit and sometimes you're not able to discover that until you're in the room and and you're just hoping for the best to come out right and for for that particular voice just since that's something that's current for you how long are your sessions uh those sessions can be anywhere from just like an hour to two depending on how many episodes the one great thing that they have done with kiko in particular is that because kiko doesn't like use specific words and that he uses a lot of like emotions the way he speaks um, that they've created a Kiko voice bank and so we spent like one full session for like an hour or two where they had this like long list of like different types of emotions or uh, to go through and we just went through each emotion and I just gave them like three to five variations of what that might sound like or might be like and so Now they have like, you know, hundreds of Kiko sounds. And what they now do is, uh, because he shows up in every episode, is that they just they'll be like, oh, okay, he's he's acting acting really nervous here. So let's go to the, the nervous file. Okay, great. So, okay, this one fits into this moment. And now they just like plug it right in. And then if there is like a hole where if there's something very specific that they need me to to fill in, then when I'm doing another session as some of these other characters that they've now brought me on to do, they'll just do, hey, can you just also do Kiko, you know, doing this thing where he's pulling something and we need to do it to, you know, to the picture in this timing. And it's like, oh, great. So so it's, so it's now I have, like, even less time that I have to do Kiko for each session. How do you prepare for those sessions vocally? Like, do you do warm-ups, cool-downs at the end? Like, what's your, if, if you have any process? I definitely, I mean, I do the whole thing of like making sure not to have chocolate and milk. Like even the day before, uh, I make sure to just pound lots and lots of water. I have like two large bottles of water that I keep with me and I usually pound through it because I just have to feel like I constantly have to just keep it cleared out, you know, because it's that that area can be so with like mucus and getting tired. It's just, you just got to keep it clear. Um, So yeah, but like definitely like, you know, the teas, like I definitely have lots of teas for sure. And, and and I definitely do, you know, going into the shower and just, you know, doing vocal warmups as if I'm going into, you know, (laughs) audition for a musical, you know, (laughs) and just doing it all, but then just going up. So you're up like, you know, (laughs) you're literally (laughs) now doing it like super high, you know, (laughs) depending on the thing. But yeah, I'll just be sometimes in the shower and just start barking and making meowing and doing all these like random things depending on the character. And and my wife just is understanding. I love that. So did you start recording any of these shows before the pandemic? And and then what was the transition like once the pandemic hit? Yeah. So I definitely, you know, like with Sunny Day, that was like pre-pandemic. And the first season of Santiago was pre-pandemic. And then literally on the cusp, like that March of 2020, I had my callback for uh, the Apple TV show Get Rolling with Otis. And they they brought me in to 
play like a dog and a cat. And this was someone who I worked with on um, both Santiago and also Sunny Day. Um, They were two separate people who happened to be working together. And I was like, oh, this is great. So but they the callback was literally that week where, you know, I saw someone who I knew from Sunny. I was like, oh, hey. And we were doing that thing of like, oh, I guess we can't shake hands. But hey, you know, it was so weird. I had I had two sessions that week and it was like, oh, I guess we're going to elbow bump. And I was like, I guess so. And we're like, what's a mask? Ha ha. (laughs) Little did we know. Oh, yes. Being like, oh, it's just a small little hiccup. <laughs> like, not at all. Um, and so, yeah. And so then, you know, like a month or two into the pandemic, I found out that I booked it. And I was like, great. I was like, but how? Well, huh? Well, now what? And and so like we had to go right into being like, OK, so we're going to be doing this in this in your closet or a space if you can. And did you have a home studio set up yet or no? Uh, no, not no, no, I didn't. I mean, I just had I have like this walk in closet that thank goodness we happen to have in the space we're in. And I already had like a little table here and I had like my I had like a, a, a blue snowball microphone inside like a, a kind of like target bin and um, with like padding and stuff. And I would just use it for like my auditions and stuff like that. But I, I, I was like, I don't think this is like, you know, network ready. And and it and it wasn't, but luckily because everybody was in this boat, they they were sending us all of this stuff between get rolling with Otis and then Santiago because they were doing pickup sessions for Santiago because I I believe season two wasn't officially picked up yet I think it was like just about to come out and um they like sent over like the engineer sent over like okay so this is how you gotta hook it up to source connect and you know have to get source connect and then you also have to have the padding here and so i would like send in like test sounds and like yeah we're hearing a little like reverb here so you kind of need to do some padding under here and maybe place it over this way and i like take pictures of the space and 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 like you know i i I was i I didn't want to spend a gazillion dollars on like the the foam padding um i mean i guess i could have but i was kind of like pandemic money okay (laughs) but um so my wife had the brilliant idea where she was like why don't we just get like get a queen size like foam uh like uh, one of those like a a crate mattress cover things and just just cut it up and put it all around and and i did um, we did that and i just covered the entire uh, wall space that wasn't covered by clothes hanging up and and it just like absorbed the sound and then figured out where to put the microphone in a perfect spot and uh, Santiago for season two they were also they even gave me a microphone that they preferred and so they they shipped me over and I'm I to, to this day still have it they haven't asked for it back yet and we're still we're still doing season two so <laughs> maybe after this they'll be like oh wait a minute that's right I forgot we gave you that can we have that back because it's a nice mic um, and I'll probably definitely invest in this if and when they do ask for it back but um so then it basically I, everything else like I was very fortunate to be able to work throughout the pandemic doing the voiceovers. So I was able to like get rolling with Otis and then I was doing the the new season of Santiago and then um uh, I booked a, a noggin which is through Nickelodeon. Um I was I'm their like their mission game guy and yeah ev- everything was happening through through here and um I was able to continue to 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 book all of these jobs, like the Mecha Builders thing through Sesame, um, where I play this character named Ranger Nat, who's like the dim-witted ranger. Like it was all through here and with like the Zoom and figuring it out on the spot. So it the only the only job that has brought me in so far has been um, the Sesame uh, Bees Block. They've they've brought me into a studio 
But, you know, that's like one of those things where it's like the engineer and then I just go into a voiceover box by myself, you know, and then they're just, you know, on an iPad. And it's just so interesting because all these people who I like have worked extensively with these past two years, I have literally never met in person. <laughs> like they're only just in a screen. But um, but but, it, you know, we've all made it work and. I've been fortunate enough to continue, in fact, to the point, and, you know, I think you and I briefly chatted about this via email when we were first connecting, the, to the point that, you know, all, all of our other actor friends who were like Broadway people uh, weren't able to work. And so then they were reaching out, being like, hey, so this voiceover thing, how do I do that? And you're like, oh, okay, well, um, <laughs> where to begin? Let's see. Uh so, you know, I felt very fortunate that, you know, voiceover stuff was something that could still happen throughout this entire time, as I'm sure you you probably were fortunate enough to experience as well. Yeah, same. I was able to to keep working. I've, I've sort of always had a home studio. I think I've mentioned before on the podcast that my husband is a sound engineer, so that's super lucky. And so he helped me set up a home studio when I first started. And it has evolved, you know, as we've moved in different apartments and different spaces and um, so I was fortunate to have that already set up when the pandemic hit. And I was sort of like wildly emailing every client I'd ever worked for saying, I have a home studio. I'm ready. Like, if you've got something, I'm here. Um, you know, there were two camps of people, the people who had one already set up because they sort of worked from home anyways and on their own. And then the people, you know, who never really needed one. And they, you know, I think it's kind of cool, though, that you were in a place where you weren't really scrambling because even though you didn't have one, you were connected to people who were helping you. Yeah. There were a lot of people, I think, who didn't have one, who were used to going in studio, who were in between projects or whatever. And they all of a sudden were like, oh, crap, we've got nothing. And I don't even know what to do because I have no nobody to help me do this. Yeah, it, it's it. Uh, I can only imagine. I mean, I was terrified even by having engineers help me, you know, like setting up the whole Source Connect thing was like, was terrifying because I was like, wait, what do I got to do? So, oh gosh, this is, you know, so I feel like I understand a lot more, like, you know, the 44 versus the 48, even though I don't fully technically understand what that means from like an engineer standpoint, I know which one I have to be on. But, and so it's like stuff like that where, uh, you know, being on the, even on the phone with like Source Connect, being like, okay, so wait a minute, what? I was like watching videos, but this is still very confusing. And, but now it's like a walk in the park. Once you get it set up, it's great. You just literally open it and you are connected to the studio and it's like you're there. You know, you are in your booth with your microphone and your equipment, but they are controlling everything and they're recording on their end. Yeah. And it's very hands off and it feels like you're in a studio, even though you're in your own apartment, your own house. Right. It it totally does. It's 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 so nice because, you know, the most you have to do is be like, oh, hey, that's getting a little loud here. Can you just lower your gain? You don't have to do all the other little odds and ends, thank goodness, because you're like, I'm just an actor. Yeah, I remember my getting Source Connect. I was it was always on my list of like, oh, I should I need to get that. I need to get that. But I didn't really need it. And then basically the day one of the pandemic, I was like, Source Connect purchase. I didn't really know the ins and outs of setting it up. I was on a session. My very first Source Connect session, I think, was the second week of the shutdown. And it was not set up correctly. Like the ports were not mapped. I'm here to tell you, you have to map your ports. And I cannot tell you how to do that. You have to contact them. And the engineer, we had to pause the session. The engineer, bless him, walked me through the whole thing while the clients were like doing who knows what on the Zoom. 
took us an hour to do it. And we got back on and the clients were like, "Okay, are we back? And I was like, yes, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Thank God, like everybody was so disoriented at at that time that nobody Nobody was upset, but it was definitely like it was very, very stressful. So I'm I'm thankful that once it's set up, it is set up and you don't really have to worry about it if you're on your computer. It's you know, you're not changing anything. But yeah, what a weird time. I would love to know about the audition process for a show that's on a major network like PBS or Nickelodeon. What is that process like? Like you get the audition from Stuart, you do it, you send it back. And then what? Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll get the audition, and sometimes they're like, "Hey, they've requested you," or "Hey, we've requested you because we think you'd be good for this kind of stuff." And um, and then I will I will do you know two takes, but if it's something where I'm like, "Oh, I kind of want to show off here a little bit," you know, <laughs> I'll do like a third take mm-hmm. um, to just kind of be like, "Hey, I can throw so many things at you. I can be your utility guy. I can be you know." Um, so I try to find the balance. <laughs> Recently, I did that for one thing, though, and my agent came back. She's like, this is all great, but can you cut out one for each one? Because this is now a 10-minute clip. And I was like, oh, crap. Sorry about that. Yeah, like once I, once I get it, like, you know, with for like um, Santiago, uh, I, I that one actually for the Kiko, for example, like I just, I just kind of did it in a whim. Like they sent like a clip of like what a Koki frog sounds like. And it's and, – and they're like – they're like just kind of like whistling sounds and I was so I started doing like that and I was like oh well now I'm just blowing in the microphone that you can't do much with that and so I was like I don't know I'll just like (laughs) I just made like noises like that and then kind of was like okay great and send it because I think I had to go do something with the kids and then they're like hey they want to bring you in and I was like oh oh really oh that silly sound okay great and so like I got to go to like Nickelodeon and 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 you know in the the space and and for that like they actually did work with me they they said i think because you know it was such a specific sound that they were trying to figure out what they wanted and what they could do with and so there were like three other people there that were coming in and i have no idea obviously like what what sounds they were coming in with as well right oh i want to know though don't you want to know i know i'm I'm so curious you know what i mean because it's like you know you're just seeing this thing that says like koki koki you know and you're like what well okay but yeah going into the room and then and then you know, luckily for them, like, you know, there was like the voice director there and they were like, we were trying things out and it was like kind of almost like your standard audition, you know, and and the 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 executive producers of the show, the people who created it um, were also there. And the fun thing with that, and I didn't know this at the time, was that uh, two of those people were the um, creators of uh, Door the Explorer. So so like that was kind of like, a, oh, oh, geez, OK, it's a good thing I didn't know that then. You know, I might have gotten in my head. You know, <laughs> Sometimes it's better not to know. But, you know, that was also, you know, pre-pandemic. So a lot of these other ones, I've just ended up booking. Um, Like, I'll just do the thing. And sometimes um, I'll I'll send it in. And sometimes they'll be like, hey, they they love you. Um, They want to, like, you know... Uh, have you do do it again, but this time can you add some of this and and then I'll just end up booking it and I'll like never meet the person until I'm I'm there. But like another time, like when I did the um, the Sesame Workshop thing that I'm doing where I'm playing Ranger Nat, they were trying to figure out, okay, do we have like a utility guy who's going to play like four different parts or do we just like kind of spread it out? And so they had me read like five different roles and and I did that all on a, on a you know, a single MP3 that was sent off. And then I had a callback that actually was like via Zoom 
where I got to, you know, read the scripts and do all the different voices that I came up with for the characters. And and it was just nice because they were all talking, so I didn't have to worry about doing, like, you know, anything too crazy. I think the craziest was, like, an alien character, but, you know... That, that's it. Um, and, and it really was that same type of thing, you know, over Zoom of just, oh, oh, that's OK, great. Now, can we do that again? What would he sound like if we just made him sound older, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, OK, great. Let's just let's just see. And the, the great thing I, I've noticed consistently with the animation world and the people who work in animation world is that they really are still kids at heart. (laughs) I think you have to be. I think you have to have that love of it. You know, if you're not, if that's not your thing, then I feel like it comes through. It totally does. And it's just great because, you know, I'll I'll see, I'll be recording stuff with them and I'll see them in their, their studio or in their home space. And they got like, like toys all in the background. They got cool, like old school, you know, posters. And and you're like, oh, that's cool. Like we're all just like kids being like, oh yeah, we're the ones who make this now. That's so cool. And so there's a lot of play with that, which is great. And and they also, you know, Sesame does a lot of this too, where they really uh, are are big with improv. Like they like they like people who can just can change on a whim and just start, you know, improvising or if they are like, oh, you know what? We can't do a voice like that. Do you have something that's more like this that can then be like, oh, yeah, how about this and this and this? So that's that's been a, a nice thing because I also I enjoy doing that um, kind of work. And um, and like, for example, like with like the, the Sesame Workshop thing, they were, you know, the, the one of the producers was like, we just love having you because we know that on the third take, you're going to like just start riffing and and we end up, you know, most of the time using that take. And they're saying like, you know, the guy who does the voice of Cookie Monster is really big with that. Like he's always improvising. And 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 so like we were just like we cherish that. We're like, oh yes, bring that on. And so I'm like, oh that's so cool to know that like the guy who does Cookie Monster, you know, is like, you know, oh yes, me do this now. And like it's like we'll just start going off on a tangent and that they end up like using that. And you can usually tell when you see like the clip, you're like, oh that's that clearly was not scripted. That must have came from the guy doing the voice. Yeah. So so yeah. So it it it, it all it, it really all depends. You know, like it, it. I find it fascinating when I've gone just from sending an MP3 to being like, okay, you booked it. You're now a reoccurring character. And I'm like, that's it, really? Oh gosh. You know, you would think, you know, there'd be a little bit more testing of the waters. But I think compared to the first audition with Sunny Day and the first time where like I sent in a long thing of like all different animal voices and then they came back with notes and they said they really liked me we want to hear more of this and this and that and there was a little bit more of kind of like we don't know this guy so let's kind of see whereas all this other stuff like you know like for example like with the sesame thing the you know my agent sent me forwarded over to email being like hey for uh this the show bees block um there they heard about you from someone else with the other sesame show um and they would like to know if you would like to audition for them i'm like yeah of course i I want to audition for them it's of course thank you like are you nuts (laughs) and so it's just you start to realize you're like oh when people you know start to know who you are within that world and like the word of mouth you don't have to you don't have to work as hard you know <laughs> yeah for to, to prove yourself you know so which has its pros and cons because then there's that other part of you that can be like oh they're expecting me to be perfect here we go but that's another one of those like hey you sit in the back you're not allowed to talk right now yeah totally and I'm so curious because you know I've heard it a lot that if you want to do animation you have to be in LA but you know, you're working steadily in animation and you live in New York. So do you have any advice for 
for people who really want to pursue animation, you know, kind of like steps to take to to kind of get get close, get their foot near the door, because <laughs> I know it's a it's a tight world. It, yeah, it is a tight world. It's 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 definitely tight. And it's weird how it is, because I felt like I was fortunate enough to just happen to have this little niche that kind of like <laughs> made me stand out for this one moment to get me in, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I do think like similar to what I said previously about the whole finding, literally finding your voice and, and realizing things that work or don't work is that um, uh, testing out the different types of voices you can do and and where you can go with it so that way you have more versatility. Because I feel like the the more of a, um, a utility performer you can be, I think in the in the cartoon world, it, it's it's super helpful and it makes you stand out because if they know that they don't have to go out to cast as frequently, mm-hmm. that's just great for them, you know. Because it's it, like with Santiago, for instance, like they're all they're all kids and they're all kid voices, so they actually have real kids doing them, except for like maybe one or two that are like you know older women who can just do younger kid voices. They just have that youthful sound. But like the person who does who did uh, Santiago for season one, he went through puberty, so he's no longer able to do that. So then they had to recast. And I was just watching the new episode of Santiago with my kids uh, yesterday. And, you know, they always are waiting for the credits to come up so they can see daddy's name. And when it came up, it said Santiago. And it had like three or four names for the kid uh, because, you know, it was clearly one of those episodes that they were recording during the transitional phase so that they could only use like certain sounds from an old version of like with that kid before he went through puberty. And then they had to do another one for this thing. And then, but then that kid probably went through puberty. So they had to plug it in. And and so it was like, oh man, that is so much casting to have to like constantly go through to keep replacing and, and then figure out who's going to do the voice for this and who's doing the voice for that. So I, I, when I see, when I get like these, these scripts and, and they're trying to, you know, they're they're just like, you're going to do seven voices today over the course of like three different scripts. And you're like, great. Like that is makes life so much easier for them. And depending on what you're trying to do um, with the animation world, uh, the more t- uh, uh, range you can try to find within yourself with like experimenting with like the higher range, the lower range, and then figuring out what is your selling point. Um, like I worked with... Um, this woman recently who was uh, on Broadway and she was uh, asking me to help her figure out how this world works. And and I, when I was working with her, I was realizing, I was like, oh, you know what range you're really good at? You're really good at doing this kind of like youthful bubbly sound, you know? So if, if and you know, when you do some of this other stuff, we are trying to do a little bit lower. It sounds a little too put on. It sounds a little too forced right now. But like she started to, to, to find uh, many uh, characters and, and, and qualities of characters within that range of like the, you know, bubbly, youthful female, you know, that, that she started to learn like, oh, even though like this is my comfort zone of like as, as far as I can go in regards to like, you know, vocal range, there's a lot that I can still play with within that just based off of like making acting choices, <laughs> you know, like, um, and so, and so it was like, and, and then it made her more confident. So then she made her more confident to then be like, well, now I kind of want to figure out how I can do like this range instead. And, and it's just amazing to see how like you can be like, oh, just, just having the, the, the confidence build up can make you go even further than you would think. So, um, so yeah, so I guess just trying out this testing and constantly playing around with 
the different types of voices and the things you can do with your mouth, <laughs> even whether it's like, like it's, I was actually telling somebody on a, on a separate interview for some other thing that I was working on, like the guy who does the voice of SpongeBob, for instance, um, Kenny, I always forget his last name, but I remember when I was like, you know, early twenties watching the behind the scenes of like season one of SpongeBob on DVD and, and watching all these, all these performers do the voices. And I was noticing that when he was doing the SpongeBob laugh, that like he was not just doing it right out of his mouth, but he was taking his hand to his like Adam's apple and just shaking it up and down like this. But then go, and I was like, oh, oh, so wait, you can do other things with your with your voice than by like, you know, putting your fingers in a weird spot right. or sticking your tongue out of the side. And, and that, that can make a really funny sound because with animation, you can go so big and so cartoony for a lot. Like literally, <laughs> you can be so ridiculous. Yeah. And nobody sees you. And nobody sees you. So it's just a lot of like playing around with that. And then I guess on the business side of it, then just, you know, I, you know, we're very fortunate now. I, I think back to like, when I like just graduated college in 2001 and and in order to have like a voiceover reel, you had to go to a, a studio and you had to spend like thousands of dollars and stuff. And, and not saying that you shouldn't do that, because if you have the means and you, you have access to that, that's fantastic. Um, but if, if you're just trying to get your feet wet and get in the door and try to get feedback from people, aside from taking classes, that, you know, we're very fortunate that we have access to so many things like GarageBand and Audacity and so many, like, recordings that we can do um, on our computers to just throw something together. It doesn't have to be, you know, super high quality as long as it's not, like, sounding like you're on a phone doing it, you know, that that you can try out stuff and then put it on tape and then make it short enough so that you could reach out to, you know, a friend who works in the voiceover world or somebody to be like, hey, can you listen to this? I might as well just throw it out there and, and get some feedback from people. Well, thank you so much for sharing such great insight and in sort of insider information into the not only the animation world, but the the animals and creatures, too. I think that you're the first person that's kind of shed light on that aspect of animation. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. And and thank you for putting together a podcast series like this. I think this is fantastic. I mean, the amount of people I've had who reached out to me during the pandem- pandemic specifically being like, how do I get started? Where do I go? I don't even know anything about this, but I see that it could be an option. The fact that you have something like this where people can reference that and go through and figure it out that way <laughs> is just amazing. So thank you for for putting this together. I think it's just brilliant. What a fun conversation. Even if you're like me and you're thinking, no, there's no way I can do sounds and voices like that, what Dave said about just experimenting and playing can apply to so many aspects of voiceover. And who knows, maybe you do have those creature voices in there, but you just don't know it yet. And after listening to this episode, you'll be inspired to play around and find them. If you'd like to learn more about Dave, I'm linking his website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, makingittothemic.com. Please make sure you follow or subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. That's what I love about acting is it really is a fantastic marriage and voiceover in particular between the creative arts and business acumen. They really do braid together really beautifully, and I just love that. That's next time on Making It to the Mic.